Women Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Linda Crater celebrate the thoughts and opinions of magnetic, spirited, and influential women. Each week, bold, brilliant women spark vigorous conversations on the complexities of life, love, and happiness. Now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Linda Crater. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck of Dynamic Women, and we've got a great topic today. We're going to talk about evolving relationships. Now, I'm going to introduce our panel today, which is Sharon Jamison, Efrat Sofer from London, England, Linda Crater from Washington, D.C., and Linda Franklin from New York City. We're going to have dueling Lindas today, so hopefully I will get that right. Um, evolving relationships, what does that mean? What that means is in a long-term relationship, and I'm talking, you know, a relationship like male-female, marriage, meeting people, or male-to-male, female-to-female. I'm not gender-specific on that. But when you have a long-term relationship, it can be a friendship, it can be a relationship man-woman, how does that evolve over time? And I came up with this topic because... I have had the unique pleasure of dating the same guy in my 20s. Then we broke up. Then I dated him in my 30s. And then we (laughs) broke up. And then I dated him again in my 40s. And I broke up. And now I'm waiting, going, okay, well, the 50s are here. And, you know, what's going to happen? And I know I'm going to date this guy again in my 50s. And I don't know why we can only last two years. And then we have to break up and, and try again. But. That got me thinking because our relationship in our 20s was very different than the relationship we had in our 40s. And so I'm curious. We've got on the air today people who have been in long-term relationships, people who are are single after long-term relationships. So I'm curious to know what happens when relationships evolve how, how does that affect you as a woman? How does that affect you with your partner? And uh, I think Lou Paget has joined us. So we're going to welcome Lou Paget also from Los Angeles. We're going to talk today about evolving relationships. Now I'm going to go to Linda Franklin first because she's like the one that I love to poke about her relationship with her husband because it is unique and it is longstanding. And I've actually watched it. I've, I've been in their place with them together. And it is cool to watch them. Linda Franklin, talk about the evolution of relationships, especially in your experience. Well, you know, we're all going to evolve in relationships. If we don't, then I think that's when we have to get scared because we're, we're constantly changing. Um, and everybody that's in that relationship, whether it be a mate or it could be at work or your friends, they're evolving too. And you're certainly not the same person in your 20s, as you were saying, as you are in your 40s or your 50s or your 60s. So you have to bob and weave. I mean, as you change, um, hopefully your partner is going to understand some of the changes and so there, there isn't constantly a butting of heads because when people change, the other person in the, in the relationship can get intimidated. Um, so I think it's your job to let them know that you're, you're changing, but, you're still, but you still care, you're still in love, and I may not be the same person, but I still have the same feelings for you. Okay, yep. Yeah. If you do. If you don't, then that's another Okay, I'm going to go to Linda story. Crater, Washington. I'll be yes, that's next. a whole other show. We're going to go to Linda Crater, it, it Washington, D.C. It is. I, I do think relationships evolve over time, and the maturity brings a lot of differences in terms of self-awareness, and we know what's important to us in relationships and what is not tolerable, and also what 
we are seeking. And I, I find that I'm so grateful for the evolution of a lot of friendships, um, whether they're long-term or new and fresh, because as I've gotten older, one of the things that I have come to realize is that we are all after 40, 50 um, and onward, we are all as is. You can refine a few things that you go um, about doing or behavioral things, but we are as is. And so we, if we accept that in ourselves and we accept that in others, somebody said to me, well, does that mean you accept that you know, you're know you buying seconds? And I said, no, think about when you go to uh, buy yourself a couch that maybe has a bump and a dent. Don't we all have bumps and dents after you know several decades of living? And aren't we thrilled when we get a buy on something that is just perhaps not perfect? Because I, I get bored by perfection. I like asymmetry. And I just believe we are as is. And that's how I accept and look at relationships going forward. So that I love that evolution. I think it's actually very positive. Crickets. Sharon Jameson, Atlanta, <laughs> Georgia. Well, you know what? I, I think I agree with what, what's already been said. I think what happened to me as I got uh, entered my 40s and 50s was getting clearer about who I was and who I was not. I think many times it takes us years to shed all those layers of what society tells you that you should be and what your family wants you to be. And it's something about, I think uh, Linda already said, something about that self-awareness that really helps you stand in your power and then your your non-negotiables change. And I think mm -hmm. that evolution is wonderful. But I think the challenge I always have had is to be clearly, uh, uh, to communicate clearly about what those changes are. Because I think sometimes when we're in that mess, messy middle place, when we're, we're really finding out that something doesn't make us happy, but we're, we're on that journey to what that happiness needs to look like for that stage in our lives. I, I find that I didn't communicate that well because I was learning me or more becoming me in the process. So I think evolution is wonderful, but I think the challenge is staying connected in, in, because your communication changes and how you understand yourself changes. So that's been my, my challenge uh, to, to stay connected as I gone through different stages and cycles in my life. So the evolution is great, but the evolution creates some, it makes mm -hmm. relationships messy sometimes, you know? Mm -hmm. Love that. Ifrat Sofer, London, England. I really agree with that, Sharon. Absolutely. Um, I think, and I think it's once you reach that place where you're, you're kind of, you own where you are to affect that change, which I think is what knocks on to us evolving into our evolution. I think everything has such a ripple effect, which is quite amazing if you're aware of it. I think some people are a bit um, kind of not mindful of it because it's a frightening thing. It's um, evolution means change mostly and that's frightening because it can affect the people nearest to us. Um, and I think we also kind of evolve, we evolve and we have to honour our own evolution um and the risk that that involves because people around us have to accept our evolved selves um and i think that that's when the real friends kind of stick around and either evolve with us or see a change in us or some people don't relate to it and so your relationship stays in that 
at that stage. Um, which is really interesting, kind of, I'm, I'm kind of approaching 40. I'm not quite there yet. Um, but it, it, it's amazing how you start to kind of really own who you are. Mm-hmm. Boy, one of the women on the call today that owns who she is, is my dear friend, Lou Paget. Lou, I'd love for you to weigh in on evolving relationships. Ooh, my pleasure. And thanks for having <laughs> me on the show, Dan. Um, one of the things that when people ask me, how do they, because I have five books in the area of relationships and sexuality. And one of the things is, let's be really clear. Everything we do in our lives is a choice. So when we're choosing, depending on what decade we're in, we also have to be aware that we have different roles. We have different evolutions that we've gone through. And anytime we are making a choice, we then obviously are not making a different choice. Mm-hmm. We also have a choice to look for what, as I say, makes our hearts smile. And if you are in a relationship, a friendship, a personal relationship, or a you know casual sexual relationship, if it doesn't make you feel good, question mark, why are you there? That doesn't make... That And then the thing about, I don't know who it was who said talking about someone saying seconds. Look, all of us are to a certain extent, once we go through things, we're a little bit like bruised fruit. But we are. bruised fruit still has a purpose. It goes great in jam. It is fabulous for other things. You can, you can do many different things with fruit that's more mature. And I think what when we speak of the relationship evolving, Look, five seconds ago wasn't now. Everything in our life is a change. Monday changed to Tuesday. And if we can look at, hey, I'm grateful for the things I've gone through. Have some of them been uh, a little rocky? (laughs) San and I both know that. Yet, (laughs) it has also been, would I change some of those things? Honestly, and this is not, you know, uh, Holly go lightly. I wouldn't change them. They make me who I am now. Mm -hmm. But I also agree, we must have our voice. And in the area of relationship, often people don't say what they like to say because they worry that they're going to alienate someone or they're going to hurt their feelings. Well, let me tell you something. You're going to hurt their feelings more if you don't tell them in a gentle way Mm -hmm. what you really are, how you're feeling, how you're evolving, how, you know, what changes you'd like to make in something. Because would you have been attracted to the same people now that you were attracted to in high school? Maybe. No. But... <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll be there with the sound effects. <laughs> exactly, the buzzer. And yet, those people in high school still, you know, they've evolved as well. But I, what I find really interesting the first person that someone usually falls in love with, their first big love, that sets the bar for where many people feel emotionally that that's the biggest thing they can get. Yet, interestingly enough, that great love of your life is when you have no other responsibilities. You're probably in college or in high school. You don't have a job, typically. You don't have children. You don't have a mortgage. You don't have all of these other things that kind of like, take chunks out of your ability to pay attention. 
when you are first in love with someone, you can give them all your attention. So as we evolve, whether it's your friendship or whether a personal relationship, you have attention and you have your intention. And those two have to walk hand in hand. Okay, I need to take us to commercial break. This is Dynamic Women Talk Radio. We're going to talk about these things after the break. On behalf of the ripe bananas in the group, we'll be back in 15 <laughs> seconds. We're Dynamic Women Talk Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Free radicals and antioxidants are at war with each other. Antioxidants stop free radicals, also known as oxidants, from traveling through your body and damaging your cells. Free radicals are molecules created when they are oxidized or lose electrons. According to Weight Watchers, research suggests that adding antioxidants found in fruits, vegetables, and grains to your diet is well worth it. Antioxidants may help stave off stroke, heart disease, and diabetes. On top of that, some studies indicate that antioxidants may even delay the onset of many age-related diseases. Since your body does not manufacture the main antioxidants, which are vitamin E and C, beta carotene, and the trace metal selenium, it is important to add these to your diets. Be sure to consume fruit, vegetables, and whole grains. I'm Annette Hammond. Now you've heard about the Seattle house that went up in flames after a chowder-headed tenant tried to flush out an eight-legged foe in his laundry room by setting it on fire using a lighter and spray paint. Whoops, big miscabobble. Apparently, no one got hurt except perhaps a spider, but the rental home and its contents reportedly suffered $60,000 worth of damage. Neighbors scrambled to hose down their homes to keep the fire away. What's the word for a nearby house that is on fire? A eucalagon. Arachnophobia, or the fear of spiders, is pretty common. In case you're wondering what kind of nut job would actually try to kill a spider this way, this isn't the first case of this sort to occur. Why did the spider cross the road? To look for a new website, maybe? It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Ladies, this is Sandra Beck and Dynamic Women Talk Radio, and we're visiting today with Sharon Jameson from Atlanta, Georgia, Efrat Sofer from London, England, Lou Paget, uh, Los Angeles, Linda Crater, Washington, D.C., and Linda Franklin, New York City. Now, before we get to the topic, Efrat, you have a question. I have a question for you, Sandra, if I may ask. Oh, good. <laughs> Hot seat. Hot seat. Um, could would you be able to talk us through your kind of relationship with the gentleman you were seeing kind of throughout the decade? How did it change? How did it evolve? Okay, that was, you know, I, I'm glad you asked that because it was, it is very interesting. And I do think about it. In our 20s, it was 
fun, 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 great sex, great uh, activity, scuba diving, having such a great time, driving fast cars, and just fun. And then in my 30s, it became support. Like, I can support you in your marriage. I can support you. And then when my marriage ended, I can support you. I mean, this is the guy that I went on a date with just after my divorce. And I tangled my foot in my backpack. Lou remembers this. Fell out of the car on Ventura Boulevard. Went to dinner with dirty knees. No, it gets worse. We ordered dinner. We're sitting there eating. And he puts his fork on my plate. And he puts the tomatoes on my plate. And he takes my asparagus, which you know, something that we always did. I freaked out. I said, I need to get up and use the restroom. I went to the restroom. I walked out and never looked back. Um, just left <laughs> there. And then in my forties, we had this quasi very careful, neutral start to our relationship. Oh, let's work on this project together. Okay. You're holding my hand now. It was like a third grade relationship. It was so tentative. And then, you know, it was like, you know, I screeched, hit on the brakes, called him in the middle of the night on Christmas Eve and said, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. But I meant I couldn't do the work together anymore. And he thought it was the relationship and I'm like, Oh, well, okay, well, let's just stop. And so I wouldn't say it's been a, uh, like a, you know, a movie, maybe Harry met Sally when, you know, maybe in the fifties, I'll get it right. But it definitely changed over time. Does that answer your question? Yes. I find that that fascinating how you could still connect through your evolution, but and then kind of kind of stop and start. It's just just fascinating. It's one of those things that you always kind of wonder, and you've actually lived it. Fascinating. Okay. I Thank have you. a ripe banana. I've done pretty good. We're going to go to Sharon Jameson. Let's talk about communication and change. Yes, it, it, that's so. Uh, I love what we talked about about attention and intention. And something I would add to that is expectation. I think when we are making different choices in our lives, I think it's so important to expect some resistance and some expect some turbulence and understand that there's going to be some shifting in our relationships and we don't know what that shift will eventually uh, show up as. And I think sometimes we we want to know the end result and we are hesitant sometimes to make choices and changes that honor us because I think it takes a lot of courage to say this no longer works for me or this this I, I'm too big to live in this small this small box. So I, I really love what she said about intention and intention, but I think the next word is expectation. To expect that you might have to um, walk a journey alone before you know what really serves you and what types of relationships uh, sustain you. I think our, our all of our relationships, friendships, sisterships or whatever, ships should take us somewhere. And sometimes we have to realize we're on the wrong ship and. And it's not taking us into the direction that makes our heart sing. So I think that's really, really important. I just wanted to add that about expectation. Know that everybody is not going to be happy and clapping for you when you make choices that support yourself. We're going to go to Linda Crater, Washington, D.C. I love that. What Lou said and, uh, and what Sharon said, choices often in relationships, at least that I have seen, is that in many ways I outgrew 
the relationship. Someone didn't want to grow, didn't want to try new things, or um, they were very happy with stability. You were talking about a relationship, Sandra, that you know was on again, off again, but it was exciting. I mean, it doesn't sound as though it was boring at any time. I find that um, I like people who are curious and so if they're not curious or don't or you can't hold a conversation with them I can't imagine having a long-term relationship with them because what are we going to talk about um, and, and eventually that is what you you search for you think the the 99 year old person who still has wonderful warm conversations with their partner and I would love that someday so I think the choices that we make sometimes are for our own personal growth and not always out of fear sometimes there's fear for sure but I often think that at least in my life I've, I've made choices because I needed to continue to grow the box got too tight somebody mentioned that and I think that's very important we're going to go to Lou Paget, Los Angeles. Um, ladies, I think I was asking Sam on the sidebar. Okay, share, baby, share. Why did it? Why did it end in each of those times? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, it ended because I got scared and I hit the brakes. It was too intense. I work with machines for a reason, and human beings get off a lot. because. The other thing, I think if we look at why relationships ended from, you know, from that, you know, observer standpoint, I mean, my first uh, relationship, which would have been the one that I thought, I really thought this would be the person I would marry. And the reason it ended is because I refused to change my name. And that was a deal breaker for him. Now, 20, 30 years later, he said that was the biggest F up he ever made in his life. <laughs> now, then the next time a relationship ended, it was because someone wanted to get married and I had no interest in getting married. I was the one scampering in the opposite direction. Then it was a relationship that ended because I didn't want to talk about the future. And again, I didn't want to get married. Then my marriage ended because of infidelity, um, which... You know, if some, and the other thing is because I did not, I realized that there was a hidden agenda that I had no idea about. And when that hidden agenda popped mm. up like a little, you know, prize out of the box, I was like, oh my God, then everything fell into place. And it, it was truly a no brainer for me to end the relationship. Mm. Well, and Lou, I was there when, when that relationship ended. And I just have to say from ending my own relationship, my own marriage, because of the same considerations, I just have to applaud you. You did so much better than I did. And there were many times when I looked back on how you handled things, I'm like, what would Lou do? Oh my God, what would Lou do? And, you know, I got to tell you, I stood in Lou's bathroom before I got married. And Lou, you remember this, we were trying on earrings for my wedding and yes. I looked at you go ahead you can pick it up for here and you look and it was like your eyes told me you didn't want to do this mm. and you said that you were going to be the only one there by yourself and when you saw San's wedding pictures here was San in the middle of 
this whole group of people, she's this blonde little beacon, everyone else. And, but I think, San, the thing that was even more telling is when you got engaged and you knew it. Oh my God, I called Lou and I said, it feels like there's like a bowling ball on my finger. Yep. (laughs) And you knew you didn't want to do this, but it was in a situation where the ring got tossed across the stage to her in front of an audience. Oh no. Oh yeah. Oh dear. And so. Yeah, you can't say no in front of thousands of people. Oh. So this is wrong. It's on so many levels wrong. Mm. Yet that, and, but you also said, San, that you knew when, even when you were getting married, that this was going to be the marriage for your children. And then it would end. I did. I said that to Lou. I said, Lou, this is the marriage that I'm going to have children. It's like, it's going to be my first marriage. So it's all going to be fine. And I just held my breath and, and went through with it. And now Linda Franklin, I'm going to go to you because you had a good question. Why don't we follow our gut? My gut was clearly telling me what to do. And I was there with Lou in her bathroom, trying on earrings going, this is just my first marriage, right? Isn't that what I said? This is just going to be my first marriage. So I'm not yeah, just you, 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 you were clear. Yeah, but I did it anyway. So, Linda Franklin, why don't we follow our gut? But sometimes, well, I think when we're young, we're afraid that you know that we're not uh, we're not smart enough to figure out our own destinies. But we really are. And as you get older, you realize that more and more. And hopefully, you make less and less crazy decisions. Um, You know, I don't know. I think again, we think too much. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, the best thing you could have done is cut bait and run. But the, that's a choice that you made. Did it, did it work out? No. Did you have your kids? Yes. Did you learn a lot of life lessons from it? Yes. But, the, you know, the best thing you did in that relationship was get the hell out. So you followed your gut on that one. But I don't know why when you were knowing from the engagement to the marriage that it, that, you know, that it, it, it didn't feel right while you went through with it. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think what happens is there's almost like there's another layer of your awareness. When I met my husband, I didn't have this thing of going like this, I'm so happy. I literally had the reaction of, oh my God, I'm going to marry this man. And it wasn't with a smile on my face. But right, I I'm going to interrupt you now, Lou, because I want people to hear this and I need them to come back after the commercial okay. break. So okay. everybody can go ahead and take a bathroom break, grab a glass of water, grab a glass of wine. You're not going to want to miss this because what Lou and I are experiencing are what a lot of women experience. And it's validating and it's comfortable and it's wonderful. And we're going to learn more about evolving relationships. And we're going to find out what happened to Lou and in, in her experience with marrying this man. We're here today with Sharon Jameson, Atlanta, Georgia, Efrat Sofer, London, England, Lou Paget, Los Angeles, Linda Crater, Washington, D.C., and Linda Franklin, New York City. We will be back after the break. And as Sharon Jameson just said, this is therapy, baby. No co-pays for me this week. We'll be back after the break. And we'll return after these short messages.
think that kissing is a universal sign of affection. But there are certain groups of people on Earth who just don't do it. I think they don't know what they're missing. Humans have been kissing for a long time, as kisses were portrayed in Egyptian art in 1500 B.C. The Romans are credited with perfecting romantic kiss as we know it today. What's another word for kissing? Oscillation. Your lips are a hundred times more sensitive than the tips of your fingers, and the kiss quickens your pulse to 100 beats a minute. One kiss actually burns up to three calories. Now there's a workout I could handle. Studies say a woman will kiss about 79 guys before getting married, and the average person spends two weeks of their life kissing. What's the word for the art of kissing? Phylometology. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. One of the important keys to making your New Year's resolution successful is to set realistic goals in the first place. Don't set yourself up for failure. Set yourself up for victory. The answer is to make small, achievable changes that add up to big results. Multitudes want to lose weight in the new year, but many feel so overwhelmed by the large amount of weight that they need to lose. Consequently, they can't even begin to lose the weight because the number is so big and they feel hopeless. But if you set a realistic goal, you can achieve it. When you do reach your goal, there is so much satisfaction. It will motivate you to set another goal and reach it also. Success breeds success, just as failure breeds failure. Set realistic goals and enjoy the victory that comes with reaching them. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here on Dynamic Women with Linda Crater, Linda Franklin, Lou Paget, Efrat Sofer, sorry, and Sharon Jameson. Now, when we were going to commercial break, we were talking to Lou, and we were talking to Lou on the cusp of me saying, you know what, I didn't, I got married even though my heart wasn't in it, and I wasn't sure what uh, I was doing, but I knew I had to do it. There was an overriding reason I had to do this, and I believe it's because of my kids. I believe I had to go through these things so I can talk on the radio for hours on ends and make it entertaining. (laughs) Uh, There's my value. Um, But Lou, you were talking and you said, you know, when you met your husband, you didn't go zing. It's definitely not a zing. Um, And what I realized is here's another thing that we have to be so aware of. Our thoughts are powerful, powerful creators And even though we don't think they may be, they are more powerful than we have any idea, whether you call it the law of attraction or power of thought. But I had just hung up the phone with that individual who I thought I was going to marry. And I had found out he had gotten married and the woman he married was already two months pregnant. They'd been married for four months. And I was in New York and I hung up the phone and I was drinking red wine, which I don't typically drink. I'm a white wine girl. And... I had a sip of this red wine and I looked out and I went, I guess it's time for me to get married. And I put the glass down and within two weeks, I had met, pardon me, three weeks, I had met two men, both of whom said, you are absolutely what I'm looking for. Now, that was, I was kind of, because I was kind of, whoa. And the reason I chose the one that I chose was not because he was better looking. He actually was. But because he had 
children. Now, my friend said to me, are you out of your mind? You are marrying a man who has three teenagers? And I don't know why, but for some reason, I thought that would be exceptionally cool to be a stepmother. And I know that when I met him and I saw him and went, oh my God, that's who I'm going to marry. I really didn't have the other thoughts, but it was, I knew that by marrying him, it would change these kids' lives. And it did. And when it was time for me to move on and the hidden agenda that he had that I did not know about was that I, he would marry me because I knew how to do it, say it, be it. I was from the right family. I had no baggage. And that as soon as his daughter was in off to college, he was going to divorce me because he was continuing to have an affair with his secretary. Now, the reason men have affairs with secretaries, cut to the chase here, is because the power dynamic is already in place. He will always still be the boss, right? And so when that ended, but I, the wedding night, like San, I was, I forgot to get my father to come and pick me up. I didn't plan anything for my wedding. My friend brought in, who, was, who gave me all the best information. He and my twin sister planned it. Um, I've, I'm such a non-bride bride. And I remember looking in the mirror, and it was a Monday night that I was getting married, and saying to myself, I wonder if I don't show up if anyone will notice. <laughs> and yet, I knew I was going to go through with this. So the thing that we also, you know, coming back to, why don't we trust our gut? I think we do trust our gut. The thing that happens after we get out of a relationship is sometimes we feel we can't trust our own opinions and our own valuations, but we're not in charge of what someone else is doing in that relationship. A car goes forward on four wheels. If the two wheels on one side are flat or missing, that vehicle called the relationship cannot go forward. And that is something that I think we have to take, you know, uh, we have to take responsibility for knowing are the wheels on or are the wheels off? And the other question I will ask people, if you didn't have children, would you still be together? Mm. Wow. That great is question. a great question. We're going to go to Sharon Jameson, Atlanta, Georgia. It's really interesting that Lou married a person with kids. I married my ex-husband, also had three kids. And for some reason, I thought that would be fun also. <laughs> I was 24 <laughs> years old, and he was 35, 36. And also, we were different faiths. I'm Christian, he was Muslim. And I thought this, I thought it was exciting. I didn't really think it through. I just thought it was different. I thought I wanted to make my parents upset, and it worked. Um, and, so, <laughs> and so I stayed in this relationship. And then when I, on my wedding day, I, I knew I didn't want to get married, but I didn't know how to say no because I had made such a big mess about it. Um, my family didn't come to the wedding. My father, who's a minister, you know, really encouraged people not to come to the wedding. And, and so I felt like I had to go through with it just to, to save face because I didn't really understand what I was doing. And then after I got, after I married, got married to him, I didn't even live with him for 11 months because I'm thinking like, oh no, I just got married. I'm not going to live with you. And um, so, so it took a moment to get through that process, but the whole time I knew I wanted out, but I did not know how to give myself permission to get out. But what do you know at 23 years old? But it was interesting, just trying to get out, just took uh, a process of getting enough courage 
to face the humiliation, to face people saying that I was wrong, to face I told you souls and all the other types of things that happen when you go against the grain. But I don't know, Lou, why we thought that was fun. It wasn't fun at all. <laughs> and in fact, it was kind of like living in hell. But however, I have great relationships with my stepkids and I eventually had a son by my ex-husband and all the kids are are close. But that's an interesting place where we thought that it would make us feel better. I wanted to be part of something, but I, and I thought that marrying someone with kids would be that something. So just wanted to share that weird story to let you know, Lou, you're not the only one who married someone with kids and thought it would be fun. <laughs> Linda Franklin, you're up next. Okay, well, I've been with my husband for many decades, and we don't have kids, so I guess that's not the reason uh, that we stay together. As I said, it's a bumpy road. You have times where you really want to cut bait and run, but if you really, if you really care and if you think that's where you belong, you, you work it out. But, it, you know, it takes two people to work it out. If two people are willing, you can. I, you know, I think women, 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 women make things so difficult. Why can't the whole premise of our being on this planet be... I want to make myself happy. If everything comes down to that, I want to make myself happy, look at all of the pain we could have avoided. Why don't we think that we owe that to ourselves? Our happiness is the most important thing. Having our heart open, and as Lou said, having our heart sing, there is nothing else. If we can go through life with that, doing that, with that, that's our goal, then all of this other stuff is just going to fall by the wayside. You know, I listen to all of these stories of these evolving relationships where it, uh, I agree with what you said, Linda, by the way, but I, I guess I'm, I'd love to come back to a question that Ifrat said on the break that our listeners, I think, might be very interested in, because is it possible for people to evolve together? And to, to be able to stay together, to work through that, to evolve through that with with the messiness of life. Yes, of course it is. Lou, go ahead, Lou Padgett, I, Los Angeles. Of course it is uh, possible to evolve. And for whatever the reasons behind why people say we are going to evolve together, it's like uh, divorce is not an option or I gave my word or I want to create the type of family that I want. When I talk to people, when I wrote my fourth book, The Great Lover Playbook, it was about couples who in long-term relationships made things work. And they had certain behaviors. They had certain attitudes. They Now, listen, it wasn't that they're having sex every single day. For some of them, they weren't ever having sex. And But what they had was they had an intention they paid attention to their relationship. Did they always like one another? Heck no. But they also knew that they were looking in the same direction together. Mm. And I tell women, if they want to stay in a relationship when things get rocky, do not hang out with your friends who are divorced. That is like asking for a ticket to a divorce attorney. It, and because that is the feeling that imbues all the conversations and but if you want to evolve in a relationship it's your responsibility to say hey i need to grow here or i need to adjust something here and that's our that's what our power is is that we can make the choice but to click with one thing the reason i ended up 
marrying my husband was and talking about the stepchildren, I needed to heal the wounds that I had with about my mother who never listened to me, who was a bully. And I vowed if I were ever in the situation that I would be a mother, I would do everything differently from how she did it. And that, and that was the thing that changed um, their world and changed mine. And it gave me an insight into relationship that I never would have had. And like San, it has me be on the radio now and writing books, talking about relationships and sex. Well, it's true. Our greatest, uh, you know, relationship failures, if you will, our marriages really for both you and I spawned this whole career as we've strived to understand ourselves, to explain it to ourselves, explain it to others, and not to make the same mistake. And so I think it's really powerful to have these conversations as, as, you know, silly as people might think I was at that time, or like, wow, you know, oh, Lou, Lou made these choices. You know, we all make choices and it's not the mistakes we make. It's what we do after we make them. I think my failed marriage has made me a better person, a better parent, a better friend. I like myself more. Mm -hmm. I understand right. myself more. Lou, I wouldn't have done all this self-work and, and Linda Franklin, who helps me a lot with my self-understanding work. There is no way I would have done anything even close to what I'm doing now if I hadn't fallen flat on my face in the dirt, had to push myself up. And Sharon Jameson, I want to honor you too, because we do things sometimes out of obligation and duty. And mm -hmm. it's easy to say, oh, you know, you're just afraid to do this. And that's part of it. But there's also a part of wanting to mm -hmm. honor and uphold uh, some things that you feel strongly about. And, you know, we're human beings. We're women. We're going to change our minds. Things are going to change. And the purpose, totally, the purpose of today's show is to show us in all our glory and all of our mistakes and where we've come and what we've done from it. Now, our guests today are Sharon Jameson from Atlanta, Georgia, Ifrat Sofer, London, England, Lou Paget, Los Angeles, California, Linda Crater, Washington, D.C., and Linda Franklin, New York City. Now, if you like today's show, you can find us on iTunes. You can also find us on Dynamic Women Talk Radio. When we come back from the break, we've got a couple zingers still left in our so you're going to want to come back after. We're Dynamic Women Talk Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. have a lot of spizzerinktum or the will to win, and you have a strong desire to be a part of your favorite sports team, the National Hockey League might be for you. Did you know that if both goalies on an NHL hockey team are injured, anyone at the game is eligible to step in and play the part? Teams have resorted to using their coaches, team owners, and even their web designers to fill in for injured goalies. It's as simple as slipping into your breezers or hockey pants. The original hockey puck was made out of frozen cow dung. The fastest puck shot on record was clocked at 114 miles per hour. And I'd like to take this opportunity to send out a special thanks to the men and women of our armed forces serving our country around the world. It's 
Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Prevention Magazine urges us all to set smart goals for fitness. Their clever goal-setting plan is to set goals that are smart, S-M-A-R-T. S is for specific. Don't make your goals vague or too broad. M is for measurable, which could mean a goal weight, a goal body fat percentage, number of calories burned per day, number of miles walked, number of days per week you commit to exercise, etc. A is for attainable. A great way to make your goals attainable is to break them down into smaller achievable goals. R is for realistic. We gain confidence from goals that push us, but are also realistic. And T is for time-bound. Give yourself a time to reach these goals. You are more apt to complete them if there are urgencies. Give it a deadline. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Dynamic Women Talk Radio. I'm Linda Crater, and we are going to talk now about what were the evolution of what happened to us that made us turn into who we are today and how we came to be doing the jobs we do uh, in the relationships that we're in and what makes a difference. I, I will start out with just a, a quick thing from me. I, I learned that relationships are really dances, and that if I'm doing a dance that's a different step than someone else. If I'm doing the tango and someone else is doing the waltz, we're going to definitely step on toes. If someone is willing to adjust the dance, either we make up our own that works or we decide to do one or the other, then it's going to work. If someone is not willing to do that, then that may not be the best place to be. And I think sometimes the failures that uh, do occur or the relationships that end for whatever reason, good, bad, or indifferent, they do teach you so much. And I know that sometimes the betrayals, the wounding, um, whatever it may be that you went through, those two I did go through, it now allows me to help other people. Lou, I was interested that you talked about staying away from, single people should stay away from those who are married because in another show, we talked about friendships and that divorce can be contagious. So I think a lot of this comes to pass and we go through things so that we can then help others walk through what they're going through. Sharon, can you tell us your story? Yes, I am. I think my story as far as getting clear is well. I went through a bad debilitating depression and my depression was because I wasn't honest. I was trying to live up to everybody's labels and obligations mm -hmm. and social norms about who society said I, I should be. And I really felt trapped and I felt suffocated to the place where I just wanted to give up in a lot of places. And so I had to release that, what I call straitjacket of expectations. And, and as I released myself and I started understanding who I was and who I was not, I started sharing my story and started doing a lot of work with other women who found themselves in, in similar situations, found themselves in straight jackets due to uh, religion or, or racism, sexism, homophobia, whatever. So I think I had to hit rock bottom to understand that I did not 
that my happiness was something that I had to choose for myself and to be in harmony with something that I had to choose to myself for myself. But I had to get honest and being honest was hard because I was always taught to lie. I was always taught to subjugate my feelings for the sake of others. So that's what's my story. And I just, I write stories now and write books now to kind of help liberate people from limited thinking. And sometimes women are very unconscious about their limitations and their labels. They have just inculcated um, the way of functioning. And, and I think that when you help people liberate themselves, uh, they can liberate others. So that's mm -hmm. depression was the key for me hitting rock bottom. Okay. That okay. was the same for me uh, as well. I had to really fall on my face in the dirt and, you know, put myself back up again. Lou, I'm interested in what happened with you. For me, my like self-work or self-discovery or examining why am I on this planet started when my mother died and she died when I was 23. And as a result of that, I started looking at what is the purpose? Why are we here? And when I talked about marrying and ha with stepchildren to heal those wounds, my mother was very much a product of what happened in her life. And so I started examining where am I, where am I going to go? So I had hard sciences background. I started listening to people. What I did learn from my mother was I learned how to be a phenomenal listener. I can hear what people aren't saying. And that was because of training myself so I didn't get attacked every time I was around her. Mm. But what also were the things that had me start doing my work is I had a, my, one of my best friends was gay, Brian Fellheimer, and he's who I dedicate my first book to. And I learned from him the best things in the area of oral sex that men, and I said, okay, you're gay, you're male, you give them, you receive them, you always brag, you're so damn good. What do you do? And he proceeded to show me on a spoon in a tall latte what he did. <laughs> and that is, as I say, it's still the best latte I've ever had. So Brian gave me information that had me start answering the questions of, okay, I was a student in New York. I knew I was going to be a sexual being, but I wanted to keep myself safe. So I wanted to know these things. So that was one first part. Then the other things I learned were ideas that came from in my family. My father had TVs in every room. I hate TV. And that's why I also say to couples, if you want to have a better relationship with one another, please turn the TV off and absolutely do not have a TV in the bedroom. That's a third person. I learned from my sister-in-law who, because my married to my older brother, she said, I choose to focus on what he does well, because if I chose to focus on what he didn't do well, she said, I'd make myself insane. And every time I, you know, would learn something from people, I just, I'm like a little sponge. The information goes in and people who say, oh, my family pushes my buttons. Well, yeah, they should. They put them there. Don't worry. You can change the button. And all of this ended up being things that I can take the hard science, I know it, I read it, I understand it, and I can make it applicable for people so they don't get bullied by science. My mother was a bully, I do not like bullies, and I don't like people who try and act like they're smarter than someone else. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to the area of sexuality and science, I'll go toe-to-toe -to -toe with anybody. I know my stuff. 
Well, Lou, I think millions of people agree with you, depending on which book they look at and your book sales. So I'm just going to give you a shameless plug. You guys should look, if you don't own her books, Lou Paget, L-O-U-P-A-G-E-T. I think every single woman and man should mm -hmm. have a copy of her book in your library. And you cannot walk this earth without having this information. I'm going to go over to, let's see, Linda Franklin, New York City. Well, we're, we're talking about relationships for the for the last hour, and I and the bottom line is, I think that the relationship we have to figure out the most is our relationship with ourselves. Yes, we're always going to choose people that we think can heal our wounds from 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 our childhood and and other places. And one, you know, through the decades, I mean, I have made so many evolutions that I mean, it's 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 hard to keep track of them. But the bottom line is, I keep going back to now. Happiness is at the top of the top of my game. Um, I do not make decisions now without without looking at that happiness factor. And because I've gone through so many different machinations myself, I can talk to other women about my own experiences and what's worked for me. And I can say um, the spiritual uh, aspect has been wonderful. Um, that's helped me the most. That's been my foundation. That's been my basis. And I continue to learn every day. And if you look at it like that, life is so damn exciting that you can't wait for the next day to come because you don't know what's going to come with it. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, we're going to go, let's see, we're going to go over to Ifrat Sofer. Ifrat. I would like to thank you, ladies, for being so candid and so, so I've learned so much from you, ladies. So thank you so, so much. Um, I think the thing I've learned most is that relationships take work and no one tells you that from the outset because everyone is selling the dream that, you know, you meet Prince Charming, it's a fairy tale and it's a wonderful. And well, even though kind of they could be wonderful and it, it, it still takes work and it's an investment. And I've learned that in my kind of career life too, um, where if you invest the work, chances are that it's, um, you know, your odds are, better, odds are better of evolving and making something of it. Um, and so that's, I think, I and I, I hope our listeners who are, you know, who will see that, will see kind of relationships for what they really are and the great potential in them to evolve also. Um, and that they don't have to stay static. Sharon Jameson, I'm going to go to you before we end the show. You know, I, I just think that relationships are so critical, but relationships are like elevators and they can take you up or down. And I, I think that what um, FRS already said, that it's so important to understand the, the, the impact of the relationship. I, I think that we have to have a great relationship to our to ourselves. Somebody already said that. But I also think that we have to be more discerning about who we allow in our lives um, and who and what role they should play. I, I think that we there are always what I call rules of engagement to relationships. And I think that we got to be clear about what we need and what we want and we communicate that to another person so that the relationship would be more harmonious. I think we, we know it takes work, but nobody really says that. I think somebody already said that point. And so we, we want this, this fairy tale and this fantasy 
But however, if people are clear and understand how they need to show up and how they need to journey with you, I think people are, are open to that. And I think people respect that. And it takes all of the messiness out of the relationship. Because even if we say there's not a contract, relationships are our contract, even if we don't say. And the contract is about how we will engage with each other. And I think that's really, really important. Be clear about what you need. Be clear about what you don't want. And communicate that from a place of love. And that's what I do with my friends now. So we don't we don't practice on each other anymore. Because that <laughs> practicing uh, creates a lot of hurt feelings. And, and honestly, I just don't have the energy for it. So I'm really clear about what I want and what I don't want. And I think that as we become more aware, as women, what we need, we can share those needs with other people. And then I think people can show up. You get, you let people, you got to give people enough information so that they can win at loving you. And I think that's, that's really critical. Ooh, love that. Oh yeah. How to win at loving you. Sharon Jameson, I think there's your next book title uh, coming out and we're all going to be big fans and you can interview us for our goofy stories. I want to thank everybody today. Uh, Sharon Jameson, Atlanta, Georgia, Efrat Sofer, London, England, Lou Paget, Los Angeles, California, Linda Crater, Washington, D.C., and Linda Franklin, New York City. I want to praise you, applaud you, hug you, love you, validate you, support you for bringing to the table today some conversation that the majority of the world would never discuss. But as Brene Brown would say, shame can only live in darkness, and we like to take any even semblance of shame out of the bushes give it a beating and and send it on its way we'll be back again next week this is dynamic women talk radio check us out at dynamicwomentalkradio.com thank you for tuning in today to dynamic women talk radio and join us each week you can find more shows on dynamicwomentalkradio.com 